Live from New York, it's Ask This Engineer. Hey everybody, and welcome to Ask an Engineer. It's me, Lady Ada, the engineer. With me is Mr. Lady Ada on camera control and also helping out with this show. We just got done with show and tell. It was amazing. We'll chat about that in a minute. But uh, for the next hour, uh, we're going to be showing off videos and new products and NPIs and uh, guides and some news and videos and gifts and more and it goes on and on so let's kick right into it what's on tonight's show Mr. Um, tonight's show the code is can feather you can get 10 off the need for sure all the way up to 11 59 p.m eastern time or when i remember to turn the code off anything in stock use it to lose it tonight save a buck too and also support a cool open source hardware company 100% woman-owned, VC, and loan-free. We're doing this in New York. We got some bills we need to pay and some skills that we want to uh, pay people to do, too. Um, Adafruit Live, we just did a bunch of our live shows, including Show & Tell. We'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. Do a little bit of recap from the Desk of Lady Ada, including Great Search, which we do every Sunday. JP's Product Pick of the Week. We'll do a little bit of time traveling. Some retro tech. It's not really retro tech, sort of kind. Well, it is. No, it's older. It's an older thing. Um, we'll show that off. Do a little bit of advanced manufacturing made in New York City. Some 3D printing. We got IONMPI. Top secret. New products. We'll answer your questions. We do that on Discord. Adafruit.it slash Discord. That's where we answer all the questions because we got a bunch of streaming going on. It makes it easy for us to find it there. All that and more on, you guessed it, Ask an Engineer. Yay. Okay, so um, let's uh, pay some bills. Coats can feather. What do folks get as they add stuff to their cart? I'm glad you asked. Uh, we still have some freebies. We've got $99 or more. The Perma Proto half size breadboard. Uh, great for taking your breadboard project and making it permanent. Um, we'll do this for a little bit longer, and then we're going to probably change out to some other freebie. Um, but for now, that's what we got. $149 or more. You got the KB2040, but now it's an Adafruit Black. Uh, we had the pink version for quite a bit, um, but we wanted to get back to our roots, so it's back to black, as some may say. Um, in uh, $199 or more, we have free UPS ground shipping in the continental United States, and we don't have any circuit playgrounds, so there's no other That's freebie. It. That's it for now, but as soon as we get more circuit playgrounds, we'll add the $299 freebie back. Okay, um, we do a uh, bunch of live shows. Yeah. Um, including show and tell, which we just did right now. Lots of cool stuff this week. Um, Jay stopped by from DigiKey, new glasses. Uh, Anne stopped by with the floppy uh, uh, jewelry project, which you learned how to make. We'll talk about that on um, the Learn. Yeah, the learn guides. yeah. Also, last week we because we were on dual duty, I didn't get through all the guides. So we're going to do a little bit longer guide. Yeah. Because we didn't do this, the video synth guide. We didn't yeah. try about those couple things. Yeah. Um, Scott came by working on a lot of cool new stuff. I totally nerd sniped him. He was like, I don't know what to work on. And I'm like, I got something. Yeah. And he's like, oh, no. I'm JP in showed off some synth stuff. Uh, Jepler showed off an older project. Uh, Pedro showed off uh, this really neat wearable. Um, Noe showed off this case for the USB host. The Star Trek and the Star Wars and family. I'm not supposed to pick a favorite project. However, um, check out Brennan's uh, work with being able to silk screen on top of PCBs cool. with colored inks that still will go through the uh, yeah, it's a the, ref oven, the reflow oven process. Yeah. Very so cool. it was really neat. Um, I remember when we saw some printers, the UV printers that would print ink. Uh -huh. It's okay, but it's like it's really 
it, it burns off and also it's like expensive. it's expensive and it's like basically no one can do it um and so that's why you don't see a lot of it and this is a really neat way to have really colorful um pcbs that are still functional so. yeah okay um on sundays we do from the desk of lady ada this week part one what was on your desk okay um i'm working on getting through a whole pile of stuff that uh was designed during some chip shortages and didn't get to so um this neopixel i squared c driver so let you control neopixels from chips that don't have neopixel support um you pipe the data over i squared c i also have a little um little joystick gamepad controller um also that uses stemma so just those two boards and i show you know how i design and how i program it we also talked about the micro python history they um hit a 10-year and yeah get to that talking about that in our um python on hardware section this week yeah um and Uh, yeah then we do the great search this one lady ada user power of engineering to help you find things on digikey.com what was on the great search this week Mm -hmm. this week um you know we were talking about um rp 2040 and how i'm designing so many feathers with it and i realized we actually never covered how to find uh, all the different varieties of rp 2040 boards uh, and chips on digikey so you can get chips they're in stock at digikey and they're cheap they're only 70 cents a piece a very good deal um that's basically like wholesale price and if you want to have a ready to go board of course adafruit has stuff available at digikey but you can also pick up the RP2040 Pico and Pico H, which um, come in pick and place real, so you can actually place them directly onto a circuit board. Uh, so I talk a little bit about the layout, what things to look out for, with castellated pads and uh, such. And also they have the Pico with header, and uh, I found a socket that you can use to plug that into your board, so you don't just solder it directly. You just, you just plug it into um, your PCB, uh, so it's replaceable, not soldered in place, like the uh, castellated pad version. And then other live show highlights from this week. Uh, JP does a product pick of the week, broadcast live from the product page. Here's this week's highlight. Quick, that's my product pick of the week this week. It is the Cutie Pie ESP32 Pico. You can code it with our whippersnapper firmware, which means there's really no coding at all. I've got the Cutie Pie ESP32 Pico. It is plugged in over USB, in this case, just for power. This is paired to a Wi-Fi router. This is plugged into the little control pins on one of these smart outlets. And I have that running to a little spotlight. Keep an eye on the spotlight here. Uh, Just clicked my Adafruit IO on off. That is essentially just toggling a pin high and low, so I've got ground and a digital uh, pin, what is it, D13 here plugged in. Uh, That is controlling the relay on this AC uh, power tail that I have there. That is my product pick of the week this week. It is the Cutie Pie ESP32 Pico. All right, and catch JP's workshop tomorrow, and then we also have a deep dive with Tim on Fridays. All right, it's time travel time. Um, so this week, a couple things that are going on. Um, on our website, please check out our blog. This is Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Um, you can learn about this on the website that they have specifically for this. But you can also, let me go to our website, so just like every month when there's like, which group of people um, can we celebrate that folks maybe aren't in the spotlight all the time? So you can see not only our posts from this year, um, 
scientists, engineers, artists, and more, um, but from previous years as well. Lots and 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 lots of people celebrate. So check that out. And if there is someone you know that we should put in the spotlight, let us know and we'll get it up on our blog. Um, some open source news. Um, we, we made a little video celebrating 300 new redesigns. And at first it was a still. And then, then we made a little video. So here, here it is celebrating 300 redesigns, all open source hardware. Um, this is the maybe the trailer for our movie. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we turn into a movie. So that was a big deal for us. And all the ones that we redesigned were submitting, of course, to um, the Open Source Hardware Association for certifications. Because speaking of, the Open Hardware Summit was this weekend, and for the first time in three years, we had guests. We did a tour. Listeners. Yeah, Steph um, emailed and said, "Hey, like, could 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 some of us come by?" And I'm like, "Man," and she was like, "Hey, I know it. You probably can't do it. You just had a kid and all this stuff." But I figured it out. I'm like, "You know what? I shall endeavor to uh, figure out a way to make this happen." So we had like 15 people. And they came by and what was neat is a lot of the folks that were visiting they were from really far away they're from australia around the world and they they're people that sell their stuff to us and then we resell it and they were able to go down the aisles of adafruit and like film where it is and everything so we were able to do a complete tour worked out really well crazy rainy day got to try out a stroller with uh with a rain thing that was kind of fun for me um and our kiddo but uh they also came by and gave us these gifts these are some of the things that they they make so, um, more do you want to say what some of these are? Yes, I, I'll say I, I'm afraid I don't remember who gave me each one, but the first one was just a little badge with a battery. Uh, the second one was a cool butterfly yeah. um, with LEDs. It was, a, it was a pin badge that was like a brooch uh, that had beautiful LEDs. This is a um, battery charger, but it's got like a little Pikachu. It's a yellow PCB. You can see they they marked it with um, silk with marker to make the yeah. silk screen, and then. Um, there's a the solder mask. Oh, can you go back one? Yeah, sure. The solder mask is missing over the cheeks, and there's like a little LED behind yeah. it. So when you're charging the battery, the cheeks glow red. So it's like it's like a little Pikachu. Yeah. Um, so it's cute. And then um, this is from uh, uh, Maker Queen Steph Piper, who we carry a bunch of her stuff. Yeah. A gorgeous. She does amazing silk screens, by the way, just like top notch, the best, the most beautiful PCBs. So that was really neat. I got a chance to meet Theborg, uh, David from Make, just a lot of folks that I've corresponded for years now online. And they were and all so nice. Everybody's so nice. It was really nice to, to get together. It felt normal. It felt like, hey, we're, we're kind of getting back to to seeing people. So um, we'll see if we could do tours again. This, this worked out really well. Special thanks to Steph to organize this because I would have not been able to figure out a way to get 15 people I on know. time at the same time. She place. was very organized. Yes. Um, okay, let's do some uh, retro. Yeah, Hi. it's retro tech time. Um, what was your question? No, because you had that. Right? I had the, yeah, that, that I replayed it. Oh, you yeah, I played it. Okay, okay. Yeah, we couldn't hear it because it's uh, a little doofy. Yeah, from the mic. Okay. yeah. Don't worry, this isn't live. No, it is live. Uh, so retro tech this week. <laughs> um, we had a little, a uh, little funny music clip that we played for the time travel section. Anyways, I can't hear that. Yeah, yeah, because we. You know, I mean, I heard it all day. 
I was working on it. It was important. It was important to me. It was. Yeah. Um, I'll play it again after this. Uh, so retro tech this week. This one's a little different because it's not the usual like, oh, here's like an Amiga or you know, here Commodore sixty four. Um, this is just something that that I happen to to like, but it but it has a, a somewhat kind of dismal. Um, well, pretty much everything I like has a dark side to it. But um, so this is a clear TV, and uh, I'll remove us for a second, and it allows you to see. On the inside of uh, of the television and how it Look works, cool and joke. it's yeah, and it has no it no remote. Uh, you have to have plug headphones into it. Um, it has a you know, the RF thing in the back. You can see directly into it. Reminds me of those um, iMacs when they first came out that you could see into it's like the saddest iMac. Yeah, and uh, it, it's called the Secure View, and I'll get to that in a second. The reason I have one of these is we're we're I'm building a. A game area for our, our kid. She's she's very young, but you gotta start them early. And the idea is we start her off on like Atari and then work her way up to the modern game systems. But I thought it'd be neat to see how the innards of a television work. Now, the downside of this is you're probably wondering, well, where where are these? Where do they come from? So this is um where you can buy something like it. Let me um hit refresh. I think the, the site kind of so this is the more modern one. This is called, uh, it's a secure view, clear television. They're for prisons. So you don't put any, you don't have any drugs in them or, you know, weapons or anything. And uh, this new one, the secure view, clear television has like every input possible. So it has, I mean, despite it being like, it totally sucks. Um, it does have it's, better. It's, it has RF input. Yeah, it, it does has, have better features than like RTVs that we have. It has VGA and HDMI. It has composite. Yeah. And, and you can see into it. Look at NTSC. It has every possible yeah. video input. SCART. Um, so it's it's sad, but it's also like yeah. we're doing some video hacking. We had like a weird device um, that had RF output. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't even have it. NTSC didn't exist yet. No pal. Yeah. It, it was expected to connect due to the antenna. Um, you know, to pass the antenna through, so you could have it into a TV like your old Nintendo. And it was like. Uh, I don't have a modulator. And he was like, oh, wait, this TV has an RF input. Yeah. And it's like, it's just, they're really beautiful. But, you know, the, the sad part about it is it's, it, it's, it's for prisons. Um, so you can pick up these older ones that just have RFN on eBay or like auctions or whatever. And then there's more modern ones that you can get from like jail, jailsupply.com. Um, but that's uh, this week's uh, Retro Tech. <laughs> Okay, and then I'll I'll play. So we we made a new intro. I I've been wanting to add a musical intro for the time travel section. Yeah. So um, I'm gonna play this now. Um, I guess I missed it before. Gonna go back in time. Gonna go back in time. Gonna go back in time. See if anyone knows what that's from. Um, because it's it's multi-layered. Uh, there's a couple different uh references to that. Let's do some uh, Python hardware. Okay, Python on hardware this week in the newsletter. Um, we are celebrating uh, MicroPython new release and twenty and 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 I think um, jail supplies. Yeah, I think my browser is like like completely filled. Like it's just like I'm just not gonna cooperate. So um, 
there's a new version and then of course um happy birthday we're going to talk about that in just a second um but this is the new version we'll you know be doing our part to uh grab the things that are um added so we can keep up with all the changes um and then i think the raspberry pi pico w is now supported with wi-fi that's kind of i guess officially supported and then there's a new lightweight um wireless manager so like the pico w is a great example where you can download uh, library files that you need through the internet um they don't have drag and drop file support they don't do mass storage what we do so it's extra useful for um, what's great is you can pick depending on what you want to do and uh that brings us to um so MicroPython were one of the financial supporters. We support it with code. This is where CircuitPython came from. Um, MicroPython is celebrating its 10th year, its birthday. So we'll get the noise out about that. We're a sponsor on uh, GitHub. And so if you use MicroPython, check out the GitHub sponsors and toss them a buck or two. It, keep, it keeps the development going. It definitely helps. It's, it's what we build our core off of. And as they celebrate their uh, latest year, um, they have one of these cool, um, here's all the pull requests. Yeah, and commits and who's yeah, you can visualize it, um, which is which is really neat. So you can see like kind of what's happened over the last decade. But this year they had a really neat poster, and uh, you can download it. We link to it. But um, let's just go through this here. They go f- from the early days, 2013. That's when we all ran into the it. Kickstarter. Yeah. Yeah, the Kickstarter. Uh, then they had MicroPython Pi Boards for Everyone. They did two talks at Python uh, UK. In 2015, Pi- MicroPython went to space. So they had uh, MicroPython on embedded systems that were in rockets, that were in um, satellites. And then uh, other news, and this is where we come in, um, 2017, yeah, MicroPython started. So um, we've been, you know, Keeping keeping up with the the changes and then also uh, making MicroPython work for our hardware and lots of different hardware. And 2018, they announced the PyBoard D. Um, it uh, I think got some type MicroPython got some type of space qualification. Yeah, it's cool. They did a modular uh, system with um, their boards to make. It yeah, easier. you could uh, plug in little like like there's LED add-ons and yeah. like wireless add-ons. Cool. And then uh, we did CircuitPython. Um, and then 2020, PyBricks, 2021, that's when some of the RP2040 stuff came along. And then kind of big news uh, for folks who uh, play along. In 2023, apparently, there's going to be another platform supported. Ambic. Yeah. Which does Bluetooth, very low power Bluetooth. Very interesting. Um, yeah. They picked that platform. Um, we've never done stuff with Ambic. You know, we use Nordic for Bluetooth and ESP32 and RP2040. But you know what? It's great to have more chips supported. Yeah. And then we'll see what we uh, do and add to SuperPython with that. It's all part of Adafruit Daily Newsletter. Delivered to you every single week. AdafruitDaily.com. We do not do anything with your email address and we don't spam you. I have a completely separate site. Just to make sure. Correct. It's super clear. We don't like spam even more than you don't like spam. Mm. Um, let's keep going. We're an open source hardware company, Lady Ada. We talked about this before. We have a bunch of open source hardware stuff going on. Yeah. To prove it. Let's chat about the guides because I'm again, I'm a little bit behind on the, the guide reviews. Yeah. To prove it, we have a bunch of... I'm going to just do this until the graphics show up. Really, really, uh, yeah, it did. It did. No, we size it up. No, I don't. Hmm. 
going. Your Chrome is out of No, it's Safari. Safari is oh, safari. fighting Safari. Okay, week. yeah. Anyways. Sorry. We have a bunch of guides. Uh, good thing it's not locked. Get <laughs> that out. And we have a bunch of guides. I was okay. fighting with a browser. Okay. All right. Moving so uh, scroll down as a TV so I can see which ones are. Um, or I can I can scroll. No, we don't want to. Okay, no, go, go, go back up. See, this is. Okay, stop. Uh, okay, so we've got um, over here, we've got uh, JP's friend worked, I guess, on the set for Picard um, and made these cool, like, Alcars panel for the Star Trek Picard set. Um, and he got to take one home, or maybe he stole one. I don't know. Or maybe there was one that didn't make it into the set and he was working on it. Um, and JP offered to make a, a cool display that would highlight um, this panel. And the original way these panels were backlit was, like, dozens of little incandescent lights that would... Uh, light up the back through like uh, you know a long tube so it would like look very diffused um but he didn't want to do that to you know make this easy to build so uh he actually just put uh two matrix portals uh sorry matrix portal and um two 64 by 64 led matrices behind it and then mapped the pixels out to different sections and put a diffuser so it actually like lights up each section and if you think about it it's actually non-trivial to do this if you've got only a panel that has cut out parts like it's only you know it's colored in differently in different parts um but it's a really great guide and i think useful for anybody who wants to do like cell animation backlighting or wants to just light up certain that's segments. a good idea you can get those cells from like cartoons like yes, this. Yeah. um okay uh circuit playground adafruit oh, sorry adafruit playground notes um is what we're calling the user pages because user pages is kind of a boring name uh, you'll see more rebranding on that uh, anybody can write guides on our learning system it doesn't appear on the front page um, but you can have your own guides as many as you want to um, share content to put your notes uh, it's a really great authoring tool like it's written for me and i'm very picky um, and it's free so you can uh, check that out and of course it generates pdfs as well uh, i've also got a couple new guides the feather so you want to scroll just a little no, the text. Okay, so the Feather RP2040 with USB host. Uh, Liz wrote a guide on that. Um, this is you know a very rare find. It's a microcontroller board that you can program it and debug it through one USB port and then connect a separate device on the USB port. So uh, keyboards and mice you can plug in, mass storage devices, disk drives. Um, also USB serials support like FT232H, sorry, FT232RL or CP2104. Uh, is also supported or about to be supported so you can connect to devices that have serial so like you can do quite a bit normally you'd have to have a linux computer to do this but maybe if you have a simple enough uh, program you can connect directly over usb uh just a reminder it only works in arduino at this time because it's very complicated um and in a mega guide i'm making pcb jewelry and art uh, if you saw show and tell she was showing them off beautiful earrings um she always used to come to meetings with these like floppy disk earrings and i'm like I know you got those. They're very cool. But you should have make your own. So she showed how to make little non-functional, like it doesn't do electronics, but it's made out of circuit board material um, using Gingerbread, which is this very cool um, web software that then you can draw and it like does all the color mapping for you. And then you export it into KiCad, which is where you would maybe add some electronics. So very useful for people uh, making synthesizer panels or badges or PCB jewelry. And there's going to be more to come. For Anne, she's learning a lot. So keep scrolling. Do like go scroll one thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, last week we talked about the Weatherwise Wi-Fi umbrella stand uh, from Aaron. Um, it's a, a project. It just uses a Pico W and some NeoPixels and lets you know when um, she got this like cool glass jar that's really big. So you can use it as an umbrella stand. It tells you 
when to grab your umbrella when you're leaving the house because it's likely to rain in the next couple of hours. Um, we've got a huge guide uh, by Trevor about Foglider. It's our iOS and Android app that allows you to write files over Bluetooth or Wi-Fi to your CircuitPython devices. Uh, Simon Monk wrote a guide about um, his plant monitor. He has a really like a multi-purpose capacitive touch, uh, temperature, humidity, uh, measuring um, plug-in board that is meant for no solder required. And he has a CircuitPython library. You also have MicroPython and I think Arduino. So good for like any use you want to build uh, plant projects. Uh, Known Pedro, uh, there's a video. They did a case for um, the, that Feather RP2040 USB host. So yeah, especially if you're not connecting any other hardware, you just want to plug and play and do some HID translation. Uh, this case will be handy and it's got straps and it's got little live uh, hinge buttons. Okay, do one more. One more chunk. One more chunk. Um, the Feather, uh, this is the one I forgot. The Feather RP2040 DVI video synth um, is based off of, you know, we did this guide a couple weeks ago, the Pico DVI guide, which um, is uh, how to use the DVI output on the Feather DVI, which can connect to HDMI monitors. And this is this guide is just like, okay, how to display shapes, text, and get it going. But then uh, Liz took it up uh, to 11 and made a very cool video synth with four knobs and, and multiple buttons. And a lot of really cool video synth designs um, written in Arduino. Uh, and if you want to do like cool uh, display art that maybe takes sensor data or uses knobs, um, something that's very hard to build uh, to make something small and portable, if you want to do video synthesizers, uh, it's very, very easy now with the DVI Feather. Okay. Zim's our guys for the week. And last week. And last week. All right, let's do some factory footage. Factory footage. Let's do some three D printing. I have to come up with a sound for this. Okay, this week in three D printing, we're gonna play these back to back. This is the USB host video and this cool like browser ring. The Feather RP twenty forty now has USB host support for making and hacking USB devices. With two USB ports, you can upload, debug, and have data communication, but also send and receive data to just about any USB device at the same time. It could also be used to emulate a USB host peripheral. This feather features the RP2040 chip, 21 GPIO, 8 megabytes of SPI flash, and USB Type-C and Type-A ports. Our 3D printed case is designed to snap fit together and secures the feather without any screws. It features actuators for the reset and boot buttons, and the back features a slot for wires and mounting. The USB ports are easily accessible, so you can plug in just about any USB device. You can use Arduino and the tiny USB library to read information from an attached USB HID device. Just install and load the demo sketch in Arduino to see a USB device's info using the serial monitor. Here we tested a USB gamepad from 8BitDo and an Apple Magic Keyboard. 
be sure to check out the product learn guide for more code examples and documentation. We hope this inspires you to try out the new Feather RP2040 USB host for your next project. Don't forget before you pop over to INMPI, the code is can feather, you get all this free stuff too. Let's kick it off to my INMPI. This week, INMPI brought to you by DigiKey and Adafruit. It's Cree LEDs. That's Let's right. Data. What is Cree LEDs? What do they make? What do they do? Well, they make gigantic bright leds they're also known for uh, cree lighting makes finished led lighting structures and lamps uh but today we're going to be talking about i'd like to get the part number correct it's the x lamp xp g3 photofill select leds that's the okay. xp g3 um so these are um leds i love the name photofill i mean that's a cool cool name that's what i they call me when i take photos yes photofill uh, so photofill LEDs are designed for horticulture. They're meant for grow lights, and they're specifically tuned um, for the light frequencies that plants respond to best. Because if you are going to be using um, LEDs to uh, so LED grow lights, it's LED grow lights. But if you're using LEDs to grow plants, I mean, of course, the sun is free, but in some cases, maybe you can't. But the sun has all sorts of extra wavelengths. Maybe you don't need those. Maybe you don't need them. And so in this case, uh, you can get binned LEDs um, that are specifically designed for LED grow lights. Now, you might be thinking, wait, Creed, those are That's like the evil characters from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They're technologically advanced and they have blue skin. No. Uh, this is uh, Cree LED, and they're, you know, well-known. I've, I've definitely used Cree LEDs multiple times. They're famous for really, really high quality LEDs that last a very long time, um, are binned and like very, very bright and customizable. And um, they, they're very, very good for indoor white lighting, especially, um, but they also do uh, different LED colors. You know, you're often not going to use Cree LEDs for like little indicators. You're going to use them when you want illumination, like you want a lot of light to flood uh, something, not just notify you. Um, so for example, you know, these are some of the LEDs they have. This is, uh, X lamp series, um, which is like the package available in just a blue color, um, with a typical, uh, frequency range of, uh, 451, which is, uh, blue. So maybe, I don't know, maybe the Cree future science fiction race found these LEDs. They were so blue, turned them blue. And then this is what sound started. Yeah. They started fighting the marbles. Okay. But anyways, um, back to, uh, horticulture LEDs. So, um, this series of LEDs are designed for, you know, whenever using, um, LEDs to assist or to be the primary light source for plants. 
Um, they've made LEDs before that people use. A lot of people just use kind of like these generic LEDs, um, uh, not specified for, uh, you'd use the frequency ranges that, and I'll mention it later, you know, what frequencies, but they weren't tuned specifically for like the different ratios of red, green, and blue, whereas these LEDs are tuned specifically for that. And the reason that's useful and what people use Cree LEDs for is they're binned. Um, that's like they're specified and you're going to get the specification because when you're making an LED, you know, you have the P and the N type of doped silicon material and you put them together. And in that um, boundary where the P type and the N type go, when the uh, electrons and holes pass through, um, you know, they, they jump down from one level to another level and they emit that power as light. And you can tune and tweak that frequency that they emit. So like the first LEDs used uh, doped silicon with um, aluminum gallium arsenide, or maybe it was a gallium phosphide, I don't remember. And so you have red LEDs and those were the, the first ones. And then as people tried different materials um, like uh, gallium 3-phosphide or sorry, uh, aluminum gallium indium phosphide, you could get greens or zinc uh, silanide or in GAN N, indium gallium nitride, you could get violets and ultraviolets. So you get different frequencies. But in general, when you are buying a red LED and you're paying, you know, a penny or two for a red LED, you're going to get something. You, know, you see here the lambda, the wavelength is between, you know, about 600 to 700 nanometers. It's not going to be precise and you're not going to get matching between the LEDs. You're going to get something approximate. And that's why it's so cheap, right? You don't, you know, you're not paying for high precision. You just want something where the red LED on your microcontroller board or your, your indicator just lights up and it's close enough. Um, and so a lot of low cost LEDs, even ones that are illuminating, they're not going to be matched. Like you're going to get whatever brightness and whatever came off of that disc when they diced up um, that silicon, the, the PN junction, you're going to get whatever came off of that plate and each plate might be a little bit different and that's kind of your problem. Um, when you have plants and you know, you've got these uh, green leaves and they're absorbing the light and uh, they're using that light to convert the carbon dioxide um, into uh, oxygen. It also takes, uh, you know, nutrients from the soil, water, and that, you know, using all the uh, hydrocarbons and the light to convert them, um, turns it into energy that the plant can use and then when maybe we eat. In those cases, um, the frequency of light that's coming from the sun, now the sun happens to be a pretty broad spectrum, but not every frequency is used. There's certain frequencies that are absorbed um, much better. So you can see, you know, I was kind of reading about this on Wikipedia, because I sort of assumed that you want the, the widest uh, band light, but actually you don't. You sort of want this, you want like a non-linear wave where it's kind of centered around the visible spectrum, um, but it's not perfectly linear. And so like you kind of want a lot of red, and you want blue and then green is useful, but it's not like the most. And so, you know, a lot of people use just red and blue light. And so you can see the LED light panel on the top right there from a NASA experiment. So you can see space is becoming important here. This is when we, the, the Cree aliens race learned about this. Yes. They found our potato plants. That's right. Um, and they, they love these Cree LEDs. Um, but the, the amount of radiation, the frequency of the radiation is important and it does affect um, how the plant grows in different plants have different uh, radiation. And like, you know, if you have the sun again, it's free, who cares? But if you're going to be paying for the electricity for these lights and you have to pay for the LEDs, you want to get the most bang for your buck. You want to get the most efficient transmission of electrical energy into 
uh, photonic energy that will be absorbed and then turned into plant energy, whether that's corn or flowers or basil, what have you. Um, and there's a lot of papers, actually. There's there's a whole um, journal called Horticience, and there was like dozens of articles in it about uh, different LEDs, and they, they tested all the different um, frequencies and ratios between the LEDs. Uh, and brightnesses and what types to try to tune it because there's actually a lot there's a lot of investment in it because a lot of people are moving from uh, halide lamps or fluorescent lights to LEDs because you don't have to change the bulbs they don't burn out they don't really dim over time um, they're a little bit more expensive but like once you buy them you're set and they run for you know a decade or plus um, LED lights they're not you know they don't last forever forever but they last a lot longer than an incandescent bulb um, so the photofill select LEDs have red uh and blue and then you can tweak the amount of green and you'd also i guess add a, a separate photo red led um if necessary and so you don't actually want white like a pure white color um you actually want this kind of ratio mix of green and blue and um, you know to be honest i i delved into this for a few hours but it you can go on for years and study this and i'm assuming that um cree and their wisdom uh, figure out the exact ratios that most people are interested in. And so these are the distributions they have of the um, different lights. So there's three versions, two, 2.5, and three. Um, and they basically looks like there's a peak about like, you know, four, 450 nanometers. Um, and that's where you're going to get more or less um, relative radiant light compared to um, the, the more blue ratio. Um, so this is uh, the order codes. So you're going to get um, the, the green-blue ratio, how much green versus blue. Um, some plants, I guess, do better with more green. You know, again, you're, when you buy two, three-cent LEDs, it's called green. They're going to give you the material. You're going to get it somewhere within, you know, the, the, um, the brightness that you think it is. When you buy Cree LEDs, what you're paying for is that guarantee that... Um, you're going to get the exact frequency and the exact power output that's going to match. It's a little bit more expensive, but then you don't have to go back and rework it when the LED dies because the Cree LEDs are just designed to last a lot longer uh, and deal with um, the thermal load of lighting a huge grow light. Um, and uh, second, they're going to get the binning that you're expecting, and this, this ratio is going to be precise. And the way they do it, of course, is they make all the LEDs and they test them, and then they sort the LEDs out. So um, you know, rather than trying to control the doping, which they do also, they'll bin them after manufacture. And so you'll get everything on the reel is going to be the same match. Um, these LEDs are are very bright. You'll notice under the DC forward current, um, it's two amps, right? That's the maximum uh, current range. So these are very small and they're extremely bright. Um, definitely do not look into them with the remaining eye you have. Um, then forward voltage of, you know, it says if you wrote it about a, a watt, it's about three volts. So you'll definitely need a uh, LED driving current uh, management system. You can't just like put a resistor on them. It's it's two amps. It's, you're going to want, you know, buck converters and you probably want to have them all in series. So maybe you boost it and have a very high voltage so you can control the current going through a string of LEDs. Um, because you're going to be pushing two amps through them, there's also a very specific footprint for the copper um, and how you want the paste uh, to be deposited. You know, there's also a lot written about how to design 
uh, products using these LEDs. They're very small for the amount of power going through them. Aluminum-backed LEDs are strongly recommended. Uh, you might need heat sinking. Um, and, you, you know, depending on how big your heat sink, you might even need active cooling. So you might need a fan, not a very powerful fan, not as powerful as you need for HID lights, um, but definitely something to kind of move the air through. Because even though LEDs last a very, very long time, they, uh, the, you know, the bonding wires in the substrate won't last if it's uh, overheated too much. Available on Digigay. That's right. They're in stock. All the different bins, but this is the one we picked out. Um, and I'll just show it on the overhead to show you how small it is. Um, it's a very small LED, so think about putting two amps through that. It's going to get really hot. Uh, so you're going to definitely have to think about how you're going to heat sink this. Don't don't just plop it on a PCB and think you're going to be happy. You're going to be, it's, you know, it'll, it'll actually get so hot it might desolder itself. And there's a video, and then we'll wrap up on MPI. Hi, my name is Derek Miller. I'm the R&D Applications Group Manager here at Cree LED. Here, you're looking at our new J-Series 3-volt G-Class LED optimized for horticultural lighting that we call Photofill Select. In this LED, we are able to optimize the phosphor mixture so that you can pair it with our XPGDS Photo Red to get the highest efficiency horticultural LED solution available now. This fixture behind me has 1,152 Photofill Select mid-power LEDs mixed with 48 XPGDS high-power photo red LEDs. In this fixture, we were able to demonstrate up to 3.25 PPF per watt efficiency. This fixture has a two-channel tunable solution so you can get exactly the amount of red that your plants need. Our Photofill Select LEDs are available in two different recipes, with both a high green-to-blue ratio and a low green-to-blue ratio. By selecting the two different recipes of green to blue ratios, you can mix and match to get exactly the spectrum that you want. Okay, lady, it is time for a new product. What's up? Okay, well, this is a back in stock. It's not even a revision, but I know people have been waiting like almost a year for these. The Feather M4s, which I love, the SAMD51 chip is so powerful. This Cortex M4 processor um, and FPU, uh, it's great. We got a lot of products and projects that are using the SAMD51 series. And we got a shipment of reels in, and so we were able to get some Feather M4 Expresses out the door. So um, they're in stock. I think last I checked, we had about a thousand left. I don't know when we're going to get our next shipment of SAMD51. So if you uh, need the Sam the Feather M4 for something, uh, please do yeah. get it soon. Uh, it's 10% off, too. You can overclock the heck out of this. Uh, it's a great chip. Um, so, yeah, this is your, your FYI. Next up, we have a revision to the MLX9393. Malexus was hit very hard by the um, chip shortage, and a lot of their sensors were not available. But... One version of this chip is available, and I could get a wheel of chips. It's the same magnetometer, but the I2C address is different. So I think the default used to be um, OXOC, uh, C in hexadecimal, and now it's 18 hexadecimal. So the code's all the same, the sensor's the same, everything's the same, except the default I2C address is different. Um, I thought it was worth it to get them and, and you know even though it's annoying to have to change code examples to use a different address and it's a little confusing uh we do print it on the bags now so the bag says it's uh, address x18 
I thought it would be worth it just to get it back in stock so people could use this very nice, uh, very wide range magnetometer. All right, star of the show tonight besides you, Lady Ada, our team, our customers is? The Can Feather, which is also the code. Oh, yeah. uh, so really I'm cranking out these RP2040 boards with different peripherals on the right-hand side. Um, I always wanted a board that had CAN bus built in for easy plug and play, no solder CAN projects. Uh, and the RP2040 uh, Feather is a great place to start that. So it's got your classic RP2040 chipset that's a dual core Cortex-M0 ARM processor, nice chip. We pair that with eight megabytes of QSPY flash. So you'll use that for your program or your files. That's kind of the middle top area there. You've got boot and reset buttons. So you can enter the bootloader and the um, reset button. Of course, you can reset whenever you want. It's got USB type C for data and uh, uploading um, firmware and debugging. Um, LiPo battery built in uh, with battery charging through USB-C. So you can uh, take this project on the go. Uh, there's a STEMIQT port as well, and then in the you know the Feather pinout is standard. It's got you know 21 GPIO pins and four of them are analog, and two I squared C ports and two SPIs and two UARTs. So it's got a lot of stuff going on with it. Great for use with Arduino, MicroPython, or CircuitPython. And then what I did is on the right hand side, um, I stuck a MCP25 625, and you're like, I've never heard of it. Yeah, it's basically a chip that has inside of it an MCP2515, which is a very, very popular CAN controller, plus a CAN transceiver. It's just, they just took those two chips and they squished it and they called it the 25625. But the firmware you would run on it is MCP2515. Like firmware-wise, what the code you'd run for this chip controller is like the most popular CAN controller. We've got Arduino code for it. There's CircuitPython. I think MicroPython also has code for it. Pretty much any programming language is going to have code for that CAN controller because it's the most popular one in the world. There's also a little uh, switch capped boost converter um, above it that'll generate the five volts. So you can do CAN bus with five volt power because you it's a five volt power, um, sorry, five volt logic interface. So the Feather is still running at 3.3 volts, but it has the five volt necessary to do the, the CAN controlling. Uh, there is a terminator, a, a 120 ohm terminator, which you can disable by cutting that trace. You need at least one termination on your CAN bus, and then uh, three terminal blocks, low, ground, and high. So now you can plug into any CAN bus, which is a differential signal system. Uh, you have shared ground, which is handy, and then uh, low and high, and then, you know, terminal screw on how many wires you want to shove in there, and they're pre-soldered, so it's a new thing. I'm trying to get more boards where you don't have to do any soldering. It's plug and play. If you'd like to use it on a breadboard, you can solder uh, headers that comes with, um, I think this photo shows it, yeah, we toss some headers in, but you know, if you don't want to use the headers, um, you just want to do CAN, you're ready to go. And again, we've got Arduino and CircuitPython code. And we also have uh, U2IF, which is a software that runs, a firmware that runs on the RP2040 and allows you to use your computer to connect to CAN devices. So like it adds, acts as a USB to CAN bridge, which is very handy. And then of course, if you want to add sensors, so if you want to make a CAN node with sensors, we have a STEMIQT port, you can plug in almost any of the many hundreds of STEMIQT or Quick or PicoDev boards that are come with the connector. Okay, before we uh, do some questions, um, don't forget to code to Canfeather. Um, we're going to do some top secret, but put your questions up 
in Discord. Don't forget adafruit.it slash Discord. That's the only place we can do the questions because we have multiple streams going everywhere, so please put them there. Let's uh, do some top secret and post up your questions while we do that. All right, Lady Ada, what is this? These are slim kale chalk style switches. These are very uh, low profile switches compared to most MX style uh, keycap and switches. Um, and we've got a little breakout that we designed for them. Um, this one has a NeoPixel that goes through. Let me show it. It's got a socket so you can uh, connect either linear or clicky style. There's that uh, glow through NeoPixel. And then uh, you know, your keycaps as well. And then we've got a diode so you can matrix these and breakouts all over the place uh, so you can um, breadboard these very easily. So an update to our existing MX compatible NeoKey. Uh, this is the NeoKey Chalk. Chalk, 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 chalk. All right, Lady Ada, what is this? This is my new updated tester for our Feather RP2040 with RFM 9X LoRa. Um, I did this board before and I had this module kind of like dangling off these pins here and I wanted to clean it up a little bit. And one of the things I added to our Brains tester board is uh, this iSpy connector. And this has SPI and I2C and lots, lots of GPIO. So it's like got way more pins than just these because it's a tightly packed uh, connector. And then over here you see I have a LoRa module and this antenna and this antenna are coaxial. And so uh, when I put this board down, and I do the test, um, the RP2040 programs the client board, the uh, Feather, and then communicates with the LoRa module, uh, sending data back and forth at hello world, and makes sure that the um, signal strength is correct. So this is a nice fast test for our new Feather LoRa boards. All right, lady, what's this? This is me uh, testing out our Seesaw NeoPixel driver. So this is a board that connects over I2C, and it has a ATtiny816 here. And then there's terminal blocks to connect to NeoPixels. So here I've got one wired up to this extremely long, well, there's a lot of pixels, it's not physically long, but a lot of pixels, like uh, 200 pixels per meter LED strip. And it's being uh, controlled over I2C using Python 3. So we've got a circuit Python library and it's doing all these NeoPixel animations. And what's interesting is that yes, you know, this is a Raspberry Pi and we could run NeoPixels directly from it, but because this is I2C, this will work on any single board computer or device, even if it doesn't have a NeoPixel BitBang um, timing support, you can just send the commands over I2C and it's converted to NeoPixels. And that's top secret of the week. Okay, we're gonna answer your questions. I gotta do a question like song thing too. I wonder like yeah. maybe the Riddler had a song like Riddle Me. Yeah, so all these question marks. Or it could be that uh that infomercial guy that's like, you can make money from the government. He had all the oh, the, yeah. the the question marks on his suit. Anyways, um Lady why don't you start okay. reading these off? Start with that one. Okay, question I have a robotic product needing a four wire stepper driver to one wire PWM. I have a teeny PCB solution for something like that. It's a tiny, tiny camera stepper to stuff into a toy tank. Um, I think the smallest four-wire stepper drivers you can get are the ones, like the little ones that are used for uh, 3D printers. They're pretty tiny, um, and you can just solder into the four pads, and then you just send it like little like step messages. It's not one wire, but it's it's like only two or three wires required. 
Okay. Next up. Any ETs on mag tags? We love them. Yes. Um, the e ink display unfortunately got discontinued, and I have to rewrite the flag for a new chip. And I is it going to be part of the three hundred? Yeah, it is. It's so, it's a minor redesign, but more on the way. It's a bigger it's a bigger redesign uh, because I have to rewrite all the firmware code, and it's yeah. I have I got a couple samples, but all of them are like, yeah, we support grayscale, but it's like they don't really. It's a little bit of a lie. Okay. Next up. Any tips for low power Arduino use, specifically ATtiny841? I'm getting about 500 microamps in sleep mode with the ADC off. Is that reasonable? Um, in light sleep mode, 500 microamps seems reasonable. I think a deep sleep should probably be a little bit more like 100 microamps or 50 microamps, I'd imagine, uh, for the ATtiny841. So maybe check you have all your peripherals off. You don't have any uh, current leakage, and then you'd want to go to deep sleep mode. That'll get you the, uh, the most current. But if it's a light sleep, yeah, half a milliamp is about, about right. Okay. I can uh, answer the Adabox stuff. So we put out a video um, just like a month or so ago. Uh, Adabox is shipping this year. As you can tell, we're slowly collecting all of the parts that we finally got, getting all of the boxes ready. We'll do an announcement when we know for sure, because if we say any date at all whatsoever, it'll be like, where's my flight camera? Where's my flight camera? Yeah. Where's my flight camera? Um, but it'll be shipping soon, and we're going to be back to shipping Adaboxes on a regular basis, and we have some surprises and more. But uh, it is just recovery from kind of the worst time ever over the last few years, um, not only with the lockdowns and just everything that happened, but then we had a chip shortage that was kind of never ending. And then we just had redesigns. Yeah. I had to give birth. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there was that, too. And we have that video of the 300 thing. Like, there, literally, there's some products that most of the components had to be replaced yeah so is it the same is it even it, the same product who knows we've taken it from like 80 percent to almost 95 percent of it which is back. really good uh let's see if there's anything else before we go yeah, i think that's it um that's our show for tonight everybody okay thanks everybody yeah nine o'clock yeah right on the dot um don't forget the code is can't matter That'll get you 10% off in the store all the way up to midnight-ish. Um, special thanks to Takara, who's running things behind the scenes. Takara. Uh, we're going to play out. This has been Adafruit Production. Then I have like a little funny video at the end if you want to see. Um, see everybody next week. Here's Thank your you. moment of Zener. <laughs>